listening to another episode Behind the Vinyl with Darren and Nicholas. Have you seen the uh, Slash guitar book, Chris? I haven't. No. Oh, it's, it's it's beautiful. It's um, <clears throat> you know, just just really beautiful. Goes through like a, a large majority of his collection. You know, really, really good photography. Because uh, obviously, your partner's a photographer. She's a photographer, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So it goes through some great photos. Ross Halfen does the photos. Um, oh, nice. He he does the 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 photos of Slash, but then they've got a couple of guys doing. Uh, you know, kind of like still life guitar photos, just all the, you know, real, real detailed stuff. It's just beautiful. Absolutely. Uh, beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but I'll have to check it out. Yeah. That's yeah, a good one. <clears throat> hey, um, welcome to uh, Behind the Vinyl. Thanks, uh, Rob. Your last interview for the night. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm joined here with Nicholas. Uh, so just going to jump straight in. Um, February the 10th, the record is out, full gone. Um, yep. uh, talk us through a little bit in regards to your solos. Your solos, from what I understand, you're going to do the odd solo here, the odd solo there, but basically your your solo work is is all over this record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it was funny because uh, as they were talking about <laughs> Uh, starting this CD, this album, uh, you know, I was like, oh, wow, it would be really nice if they asked me to do a solo or two, you know, and then, uh, uh, you know, Bjorn and Anders and I went to go check out Ingve one night, which he inadvertently canceled. And so we were talking and, uh, you know, Bjorn was like, hey, would you like to do, you know, two, maybe three solos on the new CD? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, so I was like, that's awesome, you know deal set let's do it let's make it happen and then by the time the the you know recording actually rolled around buren was like you know we we want you all over this thing we want to really make you a part of it and uh so it was kind of like within a few days you know he was sending me a couple of parts to check out and then by the beginning of the next week it's like let's go in the studio so i was in the studio for all of four days but um put solos all over you know all over the songs wherever he you know thought that 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 part could use a solo and that was going to be an open part where uh Anders wouldn't be singing we put stuff there you know so it was awesome nice but well, i mean did, did did he have did john have like ideas for solos that he gave you or or did you just come up with stuff all by yourself so it was it was mainly me coming up with the ideas but there were times where um you know like Kieran and i'd be talking about things and he's like oh you could try a melody like this and then i'd be like okay and then i would build something based off of what he was thinking so it was um a little bit collaborative though i would say that you know with the the pace with which we we kind of worked on you know both his and mine so my solos that uh that there wasn't like a lot of times to like sit there and debate about like oh well should we go this direction should we do that direction and um so but it it was for that recording it was the perfect amount of collaboration like between getting in and 
and making it happen and then also like trying out ideas that might be more appropriate. So when when you go into the studio, how 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 set are you on regards to what you're going to play for that part? Are you, are you, are you, could you like we're gonna we're gonna dig a little bit into uh, shrapnel, you know, and the fact that you're heavily influenced by that, and yeah. and, and they're very much artists that they're very schooled and very um, technical and they're very written down. Is that how you are? Uh, yes, for the most part, but that's not. <laughs> That's not the way usually anything happens within flames. So, so the process is quite different than the way I normally would work. Um, however, you know, where I was like where he he Bjorn knew that there were a couple of spots 
where he knew he wanted a solo. So he gave me those a couple of days early and I came up with ideas for those. And for the most part, those were what ended up on the CD. But then the rest of it, where he wanted me playing on, on all these other songs, that's where it was pretty much like, you know, either, you know, Buren was like, well, here, let me, let me work on my solo and then we'll record you next. And so while Buren's sitting there working on his solo, I'm listening to the, the tracks that are playing and going, okay, what would I like to hear from my solo over the top of this? You know? So a lot of it was actually like that when we're in the studio and at least uh, given a little bit of time to hear what the, the rhythm was going to be and kind of imagine what I would want to hear in a solo, especially even getting the, the foresight of what Bjorn's playing and then you know, seeing how what I could play either directly in front of or behind him might complement that. Was that for you? Was that um, was that challenging and and uh, rejuvenating for you as a guitar player, or was that a little bit of uh, did that stress you out a little bit? It's yeah, it was both. It, it, it stressed me out mainly because that's not typically the way I work, and I, I, you know, I tend to like to really um, work out what I want to play, and and then if I don't feel like you know, I if I don't feel like it's exactly where I want it, I get the time to revise it and dial it in, and you know, think about those types of things. But at the same time, it's pretty liberating knowing that you can walk into a situation like that and leave with a good result, you know? So, um, I, I both love and hate it because it doesn't suit my type a personality, but you, you kind of go in and you get the job done. And for the most part, I've, I've been really surprised by like what ensued and how it ensued and, and the, the end result was fantastic. So. Well, how, how do you look at Bjorn as a guitar player? I think he's great. He's, He's like the closet shredder to, to, to put it that way. Um, he, uh, like he loves really good playing, but I don't think when he thinks about in flames that he's worried about like, you know, whether he comes across as the next technical genius or anything like that. It's all about the song for Bjorn, but you know, all the time we're on tour, we're working together back and forth, like working on all these crazy riffs together. And um, so he loves a lot of the same influences I have, but I don't think he's worried about that being uh, first and foremost in his presentation as a guitarist. Final way to 
Well, one uh, of the things that uh, that really stood out to me, which probably a lot of people don't understand, is like you guys have the jam room backstage um, where you guys are jamming basically up until stage time. Yeah. Um, you guys also have the back. Um, and by the way, you had it set up when you're over here. It looked like that the whole back, uh, the back lounge of the bus is your little jam kind of on the road studio. So yep. do you guys, do you guys really, do you guys gel and, and, and play a lot together like that? Yeah. Yeah. When we're on tour, definitely like, and we're on tour a lot. So yes, <laughs> um, you know, and it's, it's funny because of the, the way that we've come together as guitarists, um, it, it really does make it, uh, I think much more homogenous on stage. Like it, it, you know, everything goes together really well. And, um, when we get on stage, it's like the, the friendship continues, you know, it's not just like, Oh, now we go on and we do our particular parts on stage and then we walk off, you know, it's, it's just the next environment that we're going to be jamming together on. So. When I talked to Bjorn, uh, just recently, he said that like, well, you guys, you you jam before the show, then you play the show. And he said, that, well, sometimes, yeah, I mean, sometimes we even like jam after the show and pick up the guitar after the show. Yeah. How often does that? That doesn't happen really often, but it does happen, you know? And also, it also depends on when the show happens. So we've had, over this past year, we've had shows where we've gone on stage at like seven o'clock or something like that. So there's still a ton of time after you get off stage that you're like, all right, well, you know, I still got to work on this particular riff or this song. And so, you know, we'll pick up the guitar after that. But if we go on at 11 o'clock at night, you know, and it's getting to be one o'clock, I think, I think by that time you're like, all right, I need to put the guitar down and, and take a break from, it, you know, <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how, Howard Benson is uh, again uh, working with uh, with you guys on this. Um, is this the first time you've worked with Howard? Uh, yeah, but I would say for my part, you know, I've had very little, little interaction with him. Mm. Uh, you know, I was working with one of his engineers, and I can't think of his name right off the the top of my head right now. But um, so he was recording us, but Howard was uh, kind of coordinating everything behind the scenes as well as working with Anders. So that's, so I never really, I haven't met him in person yet. So I, I, I want to make do that the next time I get a chance. Got it. Absolutely. Yeah. Didn't, didn't, didn't Howard Benson work on, on pretty boy Floyd. Now that I have no idea. I don't know. I think, I think so way back. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> let's dig a little bit into your playing. Like you come from, uh, um, you come from a different kind of playing that than in flames, you know, obviously they're, they're the, the Swedish melodic death metal, but uh, you come from a very shred, uh, kind of background, you know, and, and, and I'm guessing you, uh, you grew up with the, the Paul Gilberts and the, uh, Ingves and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I would argue though, yes, I'll, I'll put it that way. Like I, your, your question kind of went in a different direction than I was anticipating there for a second, but, uh, where, um, did, you, where did you think it was going to go? I thought it was going <laughs> to talk about the differences with the bands that I've played with prior to in flames and comparing that to in flames. But, uh, 
and what I was going to talk about. So if you look at bands like Jag Panzer and Nevermore and, and Megadeth, each of them, like Jag Panzer being power metal, uh, Nevermore being a little bit more progressive, you know, um, and then Megadeth being definitely thrash, you know, and then coming into Flames, which is your your melodic death metal. But I I would say that in Flames is part of a, a genre that that I probably listen to most out of all of those genres. You know, so I was really heavy, not only into In Flames, but also bands like Scar Symmetry and Meshuga, which, you know, obviously they all come from Scandinavia. And I kind of lumped that together a little bit into this sort of Scandinavian metal kind of mantra. But uh, so the differences between my playing in those other bands and being in in flames to me is it's much more of a comfortable fit being in in flames in that sense because the other ones i was kind of jumping into a role that was established whereas in flames feels much more comfortable it's much more what i listen to on my own time mm-hmm. um you know i do go a little bit more progressive than just that but uh you know them and i would say nevermore were probably the the two bands that i felt the most at home in terms of guitar style and very cool you 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 name you most of the bands you name drop they're all twin guitar bands right um so so that's something you're you're a big fan of twin guitar that gives you a little bit more freedom especially as a solo play gives you a little bit more freedom yeah and i've always loved uh twin guitar like i love harmonizing fast leads and stuff like that and i i do think it's a necessity in metal to have two good well i wouldn't say a necessity but i think it definitely helps that the rhythm guitar is still continues to go underneath when a when a lead guitar comes in you know there are only a few times where you don't notice that kind of a dropout in a song and um, I, I definitely prefer it. So, you know, whether you were listening to a band like Iron Maiden or Judas Priest or whoever, you know, you still hear the rhythm in the background. And, and I very much do prefer a two guitarist band, not only for that, but again, coming back to the collaboration between the two guitarists and not one merely being a rhythm and the other being a lead or whatever, but both of them being on equal footing and like harmonizing together presenting different personalities within the solo guitar play. I love that stuff. Like all the way back to Paul Gilbert and the racer X days, like, or Jason Becker and Marty Friedman and cacophony, like that, that kind of lead guitar playing is where I really, really like it and want to be. So I think, I think uh, Buren likes that idea too. Like he, he really, he, he is a much better player than a lot of people might think because he doesn't necessarily present it all the time but he loves playing that kind of stuff and working on that kind of stuff and it's really good at it
Bjorn's very misunderstood, you know, in regards to, you know, he, uh, he he's that fun guy, you know, party guy, happy guy, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I, th- I think people don't understand just how really talented he is as a guitar player, as a drummer, as a musician, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah. as an artist, as an artist, as a painter, everything, you know, that punk, he can, he can pick up anything artistic and he will be at least decent at it within a few weeks. And that makes me so mad. <laughs> no, no he's extremely talented um yeah and uh extremely down to earth at the same time yeah were there any or was there any solo on the new album that you had a tougher time nailing than than any of the others and were or were they just like all all equal yeah, I would. Well, there are definitely always more difficult and easier solos. Um, and the, the easiest way to, to kind of talk about that is in a technical fashion. So, you know, sometimes you'll have difficulty with the solo because of the way you're trying to express it musically, you know, getting the bend to bend it just the correct arc or or getting the vibrato correctly and stuff like that. But uh, from a technical standpoint, uh, there, there was one like just running into the solo, um, of bleeding out and that entrance, that really fast six tuplet entrance definitely took me a couple of tries to nail a few tries to nail. So, um, that one, but I would say overall, you know, it was really more or less about the, the amount of time that I'd had to associate myself with it. And, um, uh, you know, playing it now, it's just fun. It's exciting. You know, it's an exciting thing to play as opposed to like, Oh man, can I nail this or not? You know? So yeah, that would be one. Um, some of the tapping in, uh, end of transmission was a little bit challenging because of some of the reaches, 
So that would be a little bit of a technical aspect of one that that also was was a little challenging. But besides that, I think um, it was a really pleasurable experience overall recording those. And now I can't wait to get um, out and play them on stage. Yeah. About that end of transmission. How do you think? Could you you probably have not played that live at all, right? No, not yet. How, how do you think you'll go, you know, especially the first couple of times trying to pull that off live? Uh, I think pretty well because, you know, now I've had time with it. I I, uh, I think it'll come off really well, but nothing nothing ever comes off as good as you wanted to the first few times on stage. There are, there are just too many distractions, you know, and, and things of that nature that happen. Um, but as I start to feel comfortable in that environment, yeah, it'll, it'll come off, I think really, really well. Um, the biggest thing for me was making sure that I could, there, there are some really large stretches for the left hand and doing that standing up is, is a, a lot more problematic. So that was my main concern being able to play it live. I'm sure the first few times I go to play it, I'm going to be pretty like statue. Like when I play through that part, you know, don't move or you'll mess it up, you know, kind of thing. But, uh, but at the end of the day, it's going to be a fun solo to play live for sure.
back, you said stuff you stuff you listen to. I mean, do you listen to uh, do you listen to other guitar players that are not metal and and hard rock, or is it mainly metal? No, no, I listen to a lot of flamenco and a lot of classical guitar. So, like uh, Paco de Lucia, Paco Pena, you know, uh, Paul Galbraith is one of my favorite classical guitarists. Uh, Pepe Romero, John Williams, Julian Bream. I, I could go on forever in in that arena as well. Actually, I really like um, gypsy jazz as well, but I don't I don't delve into it that much personally. I would love to, but there's too many different genres to get to and try and be somewhat capable at each one, you know. Um, so I, I spend right. most, most of my focus on metal and then uh, flamenco and classical guitar and then a little sprinkle of country guitar for like Chet Atkins type stuff and Tommy Emmanuel, you know. Uh, oh. Tommy Emmanuel, absolutely. He the, the, like the 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 per- percussive use of that of of the stringed instrument like that is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I, I and I really think he picked up the ball. Well, I, and I'm sure there's tons of other great country guitarists, but for me, he he picked up the ball where Chet Atkins kind of <laughs> left it on the um, you know where the with the chordal accompaniment and melodies on the top end and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like his ability to do that stuff is great. But even even some of the more contemporary uh, country boys, you know the um, you know the Brad Paisleys and and just phenomenal, like uh, uh, John Mayer, you know, mm-hmm. just great guitar. Player. That's the new rock star. That's new guitar, you know, heroes there. Absolutely, yeah. So so I do a little bit of that on the side, but that's more because of an admiration for those players that you're talking about. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Right. One thing about uh, in flames, in flames now, you know, it's very broad in regards to um, like you've got you with the 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 real shredder, the shredder kind of style, and then you got Anders and Bjorn, obviously in the more traditional, you know, they are in flames, and then you got someone like Tanner who's who's younger and grasping grasping the Blink One Eighty Twos and all that kind of stuff. It's there's a you know there's a lot of flavors in this band now and it's kind of seems to be gelling and really bringing out the best in everyone. Yeah, I think, and I think it's really because we all do appreciate that there's, there's not one Supreme sort of style. There's not one type of music that rules it all, you know? And uh, I think growing up as a metalhead, I, th- there used to be that sort of mentality that existed, you know, oh, this band is the best band or this genre is the best genre. And that's just, you know, at the end of the day, as much as people like to compare and and turn it into a competition, you know, music is art. And so, you know, you can't you can compare all you want, but art exists and either pre- people appreciate it or they don't, you know, so. And I think that we've all gotten to that point, you know? So if, even if somebody like really likes a style of music that I don't really listen to or something like that, you still go, well, it's music and it's art and it's got a quality about it that you couldn't recreate any other particular way.
Of songs on the record, uh, a couple of songs I'm going to point out. Um, uh, Meet the Maker, um, which is actually one of my favorite songs for the record, also one that you've played, it's released and you've played uh, live a lot. Um, how, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about playing it live? I'm at this point, I'm feeling pretty good, but it's it's funny because it is one of the harder songs to play on the CD, at least as far as I know. There are some songs because uh, Bjorn you know, recorded all the rhythms that there are some songs that I have no idea what's going to happen rhythmically yet. But based on my listening, my listening to the CD, I would say that meet your maker is probably one of the hardest technically to get down, but I feel pretty good about it at this point because, you know, we filmed a video for it. And then, um, it was going to be at one point we were talking about because of that video, we were going to start playing it live. So I was preparing for it then. And then um, with the release of Meet Your Maker, just what, like two weeks ago, yep. um, you know, I started working on a playthrough for it. So I, I, I recorded the playthrough uh, for it. And so now I'm feeling pretty solid with it, you know, um, and it's also probably going to end up being one of my favorite songs to play live. Very cool. Very cool. <clears throat> I, I also thought it was pretty interesting. You, you kind of opened the sets with, um, you know, we opened it with the intro, uh, the beginning of all. Um, and also, um, what did you play after that? The great deceiver. Great deceiver. Yeah. 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 Great song. Great, great song. Great, great song. And pretty ballsy to open with, with both those tracks, you know, and, um, yeah, obviously one being an intro, but uh, to open with the great deceiver and um, really well received at the, like the Swedish shows really well received. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, and that was the amazing thing to me is see songs that we were uh, playing from Forgone on, from an album that hasn't even been released yet, you know, and then seeing the crowd actually singing the lyrics that to me is the biggest tell. Um, when you see a, a crowd that actually knows the music, knows the lyrics and are singing them back to you, that's the, the sign that they really like what they're what they're hearing. So to me, I, I couldn't be any happier about what I've seen with the new songs and, and the release of them. So. Yeah, that's I find that interesting these days compared to like the, uh, the the old days, like the 80s and and even the 90s, pre-internet and all that, that these days before the album is released, fans will have heard uh, four or five songs from the album, uh, which was quite different from back in the day when you you knew nothing. All of a sudden you just saw a new record in the record store and, and oh, they released an album that was right. oh, it, it's quite different these days compared to those days. It is. And, uh, you know, to me, it's not only um, is it interesting how much more information everybody gets, but also with the way this this is the first time with Forgone that I've seen an album where so many singles have been released prior to the actual album. It's out right. you know, album coming out. And the funny thing is, is even thinking about it right now, I, I almost talked about Forgone as it 
as if it were already out. And it's not, it, you know, we still got two more weeks before the, the album comes out. So it's, it's a really interesting release cycle for this CD. And I'm, I'm interested to see what the long-term feedback is about that and, and yeah. how that might work as a future. Um, I guess I'll use the term business model for, you know, releasing another CD. This has been a pretty interesting year for, for the band playing Sweden as well. Um, 
<clears throat> it should show you how big In Flames is. One, they can headline the biggest Sweden Rock Festival, the biggest festival, 50,000 people. Two, yep. they could sell out Dalhalla, you know, 6,500 people. And then they then they come to Stockholm and play a monster show at Horvat and end with another sold-out show, Scandinavia, oversold out, you know, with like 9,500 people at Scandinavian. Is, is it um, – can, can you grasp that? Can you grasp – you know, the size of this band? Because obviously it's a big thing for Anders and Bjorn growing up and going to to see Dio and Wasp and all this kind of stuff at Scandinavian. Can you can you grasp how big they are in, in their hometown, in their home country? I, I definitely can, I, especially after this tour. And not even not even that, but like I think on the whole, um that this last European tour was for a tour, not festivals, mind you, but for a tour were some of the largest crowds I've ever played for in Europe. And that's saying something, you know? And um, I would even add to it on top of that. What's even probably more amazing is I know some other bands, quite sizable bands that were going to come over to Europe at roughly the same time that canceled those tours because the the ticket sales just weren't there, Mm. you know? And Again, that's that's pretty amazing, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's the reception? Um, <clears throat> and I, I don't mean I don't want to put her on the spot, but your your girlfriend's a photographer uh, mm-hmm. in the metal world, so she's she's around that. You know, you're you're a bit of a veteran in regards to you being in a bunch of bands. Um, how, how do how do people over in America? How do your friends and your family and all that look in within Flames? And uh, what what's their perception of them as a band? Um, I don't know that they really have like some of them, my older brother, Mark, for example, he's into metal. So he kind of follows it a little bit more. And I think he has a really good perception about, you know, where in flames is in terms of its popularity and, and stuff like that. But most of the rest of my, my family, my friends and stuff like that, they just see me as, uh, you know, their friend and, you know, uh, give me shit as much as anybody else. And, you know, as your regular, you know, idiot on the street. So we, we, uh, you know, it's, to me, it's, it's cool because, uh, you know, there is no necessarily no sense of status or anything like that. It's just, um, the idea of, you know, Oh, Chris is, is, you know, out there on tour again, you know, doing his thing. So. I'm not sure if that's exactly the answer you wanted to, but that you were looking for, but it's, it's not, but I'll roll with it. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, yeah, the, the, the and, and I will add, I will add that the size of, you know, inflamed stature over here in the States is a little bit harder to detect because I think over here, you know, we're still, we're still, trying to to break into that next level of of what they've been able to achieve in europe so you know over here we're going to be playing house of blues and um you know venues theaters of that size and then over there we're playing you know arenas so (laughs) it's it's pretty amazing the difference and uh i i'm hoping that you know, the growth will continue to spread and people, people will listen to in flames and come out to the shows over here as well as over there and everywhere else we tour for that fact, you know, I think, 
I think they've got a, an awesome sound and, you know, we bring it live and, you know, I, I think we just have a good time with the crowd. I think, I think people will appreciate that.
when when are you coming over here next? You're you're playing the 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 body home Brina uh, shows two nights at Dal Dalhalla. Um, yeah, you're you're also you probably got some festivals. You're playing Australia as well, right? In correct in March. February? Yeah, in March. Uh, it's like the I think the twenty fourth, but that may be yeah. Some sometime around then we're heading to Australia and we're going to play some not fast festivals both there and in Japan as well. Um, maybe, maybe other places, but I can't think off the top of my head where they would be. Um, but, uh, that's, what's pretty much is going to kick off this next tour cycle, uh, for 2023. Cool. Hey, I got one more thing about the record, um, too. And, uh, maybe you've surely picked up on this, uh, this mix, you know, the, the, the guitars are a lot more, it's a lot more of a guitar record. They're a lot more, you know, out, out the front there. Yeah, it's definitely definitely uh, what I like to hear in an album. <laughs> did you, where did that come about? Obviously, Howard produced um, uh, "I the Mask" and and uh, "Battles" before that. Where where did that come from? Did it just with the songwriting and all that? It's just more a guitar driven record. I mean, I would think so, but uh, quite honestly, I didn't have anything to do with that decision. I would imagine that um through the growth of these songs and the and the way when they were written that both uh Bjorn and Anders you know probably were going like this needs to be a heavier more guitar forward type of cd but i, I really don't know um because uh you know i just came in and did my noodling over the top and you went straight over the top yeah <laughs> cool very cool um <clears throat> Nick, you got anything left, mate? No, I think I think I think we're uh, I think we're done. I think we're done. Cool. I'm just going to add. Um, how, how do you? Where do you think uh, the whole shred guitar is sitting in the uh, in the musical ecosystem of 2023 at the moment? I think it's I think it's sitting in a good spot, but I think it's sitting somewhat more in like it's really big in you know in online. Uh, socials and stuff like that right now people posting shorts of you know insane guitar riffs and insane guitar playing in general um and i think that needs to kind of come a little bit more to the forefront in more popular music you know like so in in songs and and uh recorded media itself you know so when people go see it live it's it's not only somebody behind a, a webcam or or you know, a series of cameras online that it's something you can go see live. So I think it's, I think it's doing really well, but I want to see it in that context more. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I, I think, um, I think there's a lot of good players out there as well. I, I read something recently where the sales are so strong with guitars at the moment. Again, it, it, it's lifted up again. So no, that's, that's, that's what I'm hearing. Um, you know, and uh, that's what I hope. <laughs> I mean, as, as much as I, uh, you know, you know, it would be bad if, if, well, I wouldn't call it bad, but you know, it'd be interesting if everybody and their mother played guitar and they all played it really well, it would mean uh, a little bit more of a reasoning behind having me, you know, playing for an audience rather than somebody else. But I think the more guitar players, the better overall. So I'll put it that way. Cool, man. Um, we're, we're done. Chris, thank you very much, man. Re- record's great. 